Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman, your host here today. And we are talking about Seder because tomorrow, well, rather in two evenings, is going to be Pesach 2021. Now, last week's show, we talked about your Pesach checklist, all the things you need to do to get ready to prepare your home, to do all your shopping for your Pesach, for your Seder, even getting the Seder table ready. Now, let's get into the actual Seder itself. Let's first preface about just the basic steps of getting into Pesach this year. The Dikas Chametz, searching for the Chametz, that certainly is an important part of getting ready to Pesach. Making sure we've eliminated, gotten rid of all of our Chametz. And one of the ways of doing that is by searching our homes. Now, of course, if one is going away for Pesach, they potentially should have already done it if they're going to be leaving today. Then you could have done the search last night. Of course, if you're only leaving tomorrow, then to do the search in your home today. This evening, that is, with the light of a candle, with a feather, with a spoon, with a candle. And somebody asked the question, why the candle? The candle doesn't touch the actual chametz. Why does the candle need to be actually destroyed when tomorrow morning you're going to do the beer, the destruction of your chametz? And one of the beautiful answers I've seen was because anything that is used to search for chametz, to search for negativity in others, well, that certainly has to be eliminated because we don't want to be finding the negative in others. We don't want to be searching for chametz. Now, of course, we are searching for chametz. That's necessary. But we have to realize that that's not a desirable trait. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why the actual light, the candle that we use for searching for our chametz is eliminated when we are going to do the burning of the chametz tomorrow. Now, technically speaking, you, could, you can still be eating chametz all the way until Shabbos morning. Practically speaking, your home is cleaned out for Pesach, so it's not so realistic to be consuming chametz before then, uh, well, starting from tomorrow once your home is cleaned out. So ideally, you want to make sure that your home is cleaned up and you have no chametz around, you got rid of it. On that note, don't forget to sell your chametz. You can go to ChabadSouthAfrica.org and fill in the form, send us your chametz. We will coordinate with the Beistin to have it sold on your behalf to a non-Jew for the duration of Pesach. I think the sale goes into effect actually only on Shabbos when we are prohibited from having chametz. Now you do want to make sure, we know there is a mitzvah on Shabbos, thanks to the manna that we used to get a double portion of Back in the wilderness when our ancestors were trekking from their liberation from Egypt all the way to the promised land for 40 years. And so every single Shabbos we wash our hands and we eat challah. Now the thing is that it is Erev Pesach. But on the other hand, you're allowed to have chametz all the way until Shabbos morning. So that makes this Shabbos quite unique. Have at least three challah rolls. Some say you could even have matzah shira, which would be egg matzah. And it's going to be mitzvah joining with your meal. And therefore, you can wash and have a motzi on it. Either way, we're not going to go too deep into the halachic matters. But whether you have actual challahs or matzahs, you're going to have to make sure that you get rid of them by 9.45 a.m. Shabbos morning. Now, the easy way to do it is get small rolls and you can eat them. And it's not a problem. Or you can 
any leftovers, give away to a non-Jewish person, or flush them down your toilet so you will not be transgressing the laws of Balirah, Balimatzah, of possessing or finding chametz over Pesach. Now, just thinking about the Chalavos, and this is actually relevant on Pesach too. On Pesach, we have three matzahs at our table to make sure that we have the two complete ones to commemorate, to recall the mana, the double portion of mana that we received in the wilderness in the times of our ancestors' journey in the desert on Fridays. And the third one, which is broken for yachatz, it has to be two complete ones. So therefore, you have to make sure that in your Shabbos challahs, you're going to have at least two chal- at least three challahs. Two for tomorrow night, so you could consume one. The other one you can leave complete. And the other two are going to be for Shabbos morning. And make sure you wash your hands before you consume them. Washing our hands signals the sacred nature of a Shabbos meal. It reminds us that one of the most physical of our body's needs, food, is a gift from God. And that's why we invest it with a sense of holiness. And the tradition actually is that we don't speak from the time we wash our hands till we consume the bread. All right, this is probably the greatest challenge for some of us, sometimes harder than fasting on Yom Kippur. Anyways, why two loaves that we discussed and it's just significant to recall that every single Shabbos we, we remember that journey of our ancestors, how God not only liberated us from our slavery in Egypt, but God looked after us going through the wilderness. It's no easy task. There were harsh realities of life in the desert. And as our ancestors trekked from one oasis to another, food could have been in short supply. In fact, they did kvetch and they did complain. And that's why God gave us the, the, the bread from heaven, flying kosher delicacessen, right? The man. Think of it as hot pastrami on rye from the sky. And this is how it worked. A single portion of man descended every single day. But on Fridays, God sent that double portion so that we wouldn't have to work to collect the food on Shabbos and no man fell on Shabbos itself. Once the Jewish people entered the land of Israel, that stopped. The physical challenge of survival was replaced by a spiritual one. Because while the man fell, it was obvious that God was feeding us. But now that we arrived in a land flowing with milk and honey, it could grow its own food. The challenge then was to recognize that God was still the ultimate source of all the blessings. To realize that even when I work hard for my food, it is coming from Hashem. And we all face that challenge still. So now that we're getting ready for Pesach, and we're going to enjoy our delectable Yom Tiv and Shabbos meals, we have to constantly remind ourselves of that blessing. So even though it's Shabbos, Pesach, we have the complication of chametz and matzah and, and challah, what do we do? Well, we're still going to do it. We're still going to recall the miracles. We do so with a cognizance, with a realization that this is the beauty of Judaism. Yes, we make a bracha over two loaves of challah. We commemorate that extra portion of man. It reminds us that just as God provided for our needs in the desert, God provides for each one of us as well today. We didn't create the bounty of the world. Regardless of how much 
we may develop and enhance it. That man that God provided is still being provided. Each day, just think about the blessings that we have in our lives. Count your blessing. Or blessings, rather. The challenge is that we have to recognize the man from heaven every single day in our lives. And I think that's not just a challenge, but it's something why we do this. And in fact, on Pesach, we do it too. We want to recall the blessings that we have in our lives. Now, of course, Shabbos, many people are going to dive an early Shabbos morning so that they can consume their challah on time no later than 9.45 a.m. And then you're going to do the nullification of your challah, of your chametz, which should be done by 10.45 on Shabbos morning. Now, of course, the rest of the Shabbos can be a beautiful, wonderful Shabbos. It's Shabbos HaGadol, the great Shabbos, and it certainly should be celebrated in all the ways possible. Usually in the shul, the rabbi will be giving a big drasha on Shabbos HaGadol. So check with your shul what your shul is offering. Otherwise, make it meaningful at home. Take the opportunity to, to study, to learn, to really do what it takes that you go into Pesach in the most beautiful and meaningful way. And in that note, think about today, who you need to call and send a message to and wish a good Shabbos and a good Yom Tov and all the good blessings for a zisim, a sweet and a kosher and freilich and Pesach. And today, tomorrow, do what you can to make it most beautiful. Think about whatever ways you can make your Yom Tov beautiful. It doesn't mean going crazy, going mashuga. But do what you can. You still have a day to go online and, and find that perfect Haggadah. You could go to Chabad Books and they got some brand new beautiful Haggadahs that have come in. Or you can go online. Chabad.org has a brand new magnificent Haggadah. You could buy the printed edition at Chabad Books. Or you can just print it your, on your own at home. Just think about how you're going to make this Yom Tov really special. And because there are some complex laws about the Shabbos Yom Tov combination this year, so get yourself up to speed. Go go learn. Here in a crash course on a radio show, I could only give you some reminders. But do what it takes for you to get up to scratch, to know what you have to do, to make sure that you're fully prepared and know what to do. So when Yom Tov comes around, or if you're doing Shabbos home alone, then that you're, you know properly how to celebrate, how to do it, and make sure you're doing so properly. If you're going to shul, great. Shul is the place to be. We've missed it for so long. But as a rabbi of Chabad Seniors programs, I know there are many people still in quarantine, many people isolated. And so do it at home. Make it special and meaningful if you're doing it at home. That the only challenge is we don't prepare from Shabbos to Yom Tov. So just preparing spiritually, you can do. Physically, you're not going to be able to prepare your tables for your Seder. So you might want to make sure all the food for your Pesach Seder is already prepared today, tomorrow, before Shabbos. And just, you know, have the delicacies ready so when Shabbos comes out on Saturday night, you're ready to roll. You can start your Seder while the food is just heating up and make it a special Seder. Don't forget there's two Seders. So on Saturday night, do what it takes to make it 
unique in its way, so that when the second Seder comes around, it's not just a repeat of the first one, but you can freshen things up, do what it takes to make sure that both Seders are special. And don't forget, if you're gonna be with family, make it enjoyable and pleasant, that it's enjoyable quality family time, not a time when people get aggravated with each other, that's certainly not what you want the memories of Pesach to be. So let's go through some of the actual aspects of the Seder itself because you, we discussed last week the preparation for the Seder. Now let's dive straight into the Seder. You're, after you dive Mariv, you are ready for your Seder on Saturday night around 7 p.m. Now there's a special sequence to the Kiddush. The Kiddush goes in an order called Yak Nahaz. That's an acronym for Yayin, wine. You're going to say the blessing on the wine. Kiddush. Kiddush meaning the actual sanctification. Sanctification is an important message to us because sanctifying is, yes, we are going to be taking the wine, which ordinarily you might say wine is something that people get intoxicated with. Wine is something that you know, perhaps gets one drunk. Well, there's another way, the Jewish way of looking at wine because every Shabbos and every Yom Tov, we say Kiddush and a cup of wine. We sanctify the holiday. We sanctify the actual wine. We elevate it. That it's no longer just an ordinary thing. It becomes Kiddush. It becomes holy. And that concept of Kiddush, it also means to separate is the idea of separation of the mundane and the holy, separating the negative from the positive. And certainly this year, there's a lot of confusion between negative and positive. But all journeys have to begin with separation. You have to depart from your current position in order to arrive at your destination. So you have to ask yourself, which Mitzrayim, which challenges and struggles am I leaving behind in order to break free from those constraints and limitations, from my current slave mentality, to transcend those limitations and to conquer new horizons, that's Kiddush. And we make it over wine, obviously, if one is diabetic or cannot consume wine for some reason, there could be a variety of reasons, then certainly you can do it on another beverage of your choice, but ideally we try to do it on wine, because Kiddush tells us something really essential about the Jewish attitude towards food, towards pleasure, towards life itself. Throughout history, the pendulum has swung between two kinds of societies. On the one hand, are prudish, you have people who are just prudish cultures that deny pleasure, that just, you know, that prohibit drinking wine or any alcohol. On the other hand, there are those that are the opposite, completely hedonistic, cultures that worship pleasure in life. And so, my friends, the Jewish perspective rejects actually both of those extremes and instead calls us to do something better. Kiddush, to sanctify the pleasure. That's why we say Kiddush over wine. It's not just about hedonism. It's not about just asceticism. We have that middle ground the Torah begins with God creating the universe. And at the end of creation, it says, God saw that all he had made was very good. 
meaning its blessings are material as well as spiritual. We don't have to repress the material world and its pleasures. We can do Kiddush. We can sanctify them. And as we do when we make Kiddush, we use the fruit of the vine to celebrate the sanctity, the holiness of the day. Every Shabbos, every Yom Tov, and so we're going to celebrate. We celebrate life. We make blessings over life. Mayim is just one yud. A Jew drinks water alone. But Yayim, on which we say Lechayim, both those words have two yuds. And so we meet with another. And even if we're alone, remember, we're never alone. And don't you know, you're never alone. It doesn't matter where you are. There's nothing in his eyes more special than you. Wherever you go, Hashem is with you. My friends, that's Kiddush. It means God is found not just in the remote heavens or in the innermost recesses of the soul, but in life, in every aspect of life. We find God not only in prayer, but in the joys of every material existence. Wine at our Pesach Seder, or at any Shabbos meal, or any celebration, symbolizes that we are experiencing something that is simultaneously joyous and sacred. To be a Jew is to celebrate life. To be a Jew, we make Kiddush, we sanctify all of life. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I am Rabbi Ari Kievman. And today we are talking about your Seder Saturday night. We begin our Seders. And so we talked about the very first step of our Seder. We begin with Kiddush. We discussed the significance of transcending our limitations, conquering our horizons, and moving forward, taking that step the first step in the order of the evening. And make sure that before you begin your Seder, you take a moment for personal reflection. Remind yourself that even while you have certain expectations for how your Seder is going to go, the ultimate thing to keep in mind is you are serving God and things might go differently than you expected. But... It would mean if something different happens, if it doesn't go the way you anticipated or expected or planned, it means that God wants something else from you. And you'll be glad to play your part and do what's needed from you at that moment. So remember to think about how and why the holiday of Pesach is relevant to you personally at this moment of your life. That it's a personal thing, that it's not just his story But it's our story. You know, in Hebrew, there's actually no word for history. It's called historia. That's more of like a modern word. History in Hebrew is zikaron. Zikaron means memory. Memory is about making things me, relevant to me. What has it got to do with me in my life today? That's memory. And that's what we have to do in our seders. We have to realize that, you know, they say the journey of a thousand Miles begins with one step, that's the first step. The first step out of our personal Egypt, out of our personal challenges and struggles is to go, to 
make Kiddush, to sanctify the day, to separate from our current state of mind, from our slave mentality, into a place of freedom. And we know that this evening we're going to have four cups of wine representing signifying the four expressions of redemption, where God says, I will take you out. God says, I'll save you. God says, I'll redeem you. Where God says, I'll take you to me as a people. These four terms correspond to the four degrees that Pharaoh made, four decrees that Pharaoh made against the Jews, that they have to work for the Egyptians. Pharaoh said the midwives have to kill all newborn Jewish males. All newborn Jewish males have to be thrown into the Nile. And the Jews must find the necessary straw to build bricks themselves. Those were four of Pharaoh's decrees against the Jews. And there's another symbolism as well. The four letters that make up God's name. Yud and He and Vav and He. So those four letters of God's name correspond with the four expressions of redemption. The four decrees of Pharaoh against the Jews. And we're going to make... Kiddush. One more step that I forgot to mention before Kiddush is that women and girls have a special mitzvah to kindle the yamt of candles. And the truth is that if you are a man and you are alone for yamtiv, then guess what? You also light the candles because although it's a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah for the home. It is the woman who usually fulfills that mitzvah in the home, but even a male, a man can do the mitzvah, and so you should do so if you there's no ladies with you in the house. And now you are ready for your Seder to begin. So make sure you lit your candles, you're already Dava Mariv, and if you are others with you on the night of Pesach, everyone participates in Kiddush. We all say the Kiddush together. We choose a cup with a minimum of about 80 mils or so, and we are going to do our Kiddush. And for Kiddush, like I mentioned, it is a special sequence called Yak Nahaz. Yayin Kiddush Ner Havdala Zaman. That's the sequence. There's a special tune for the Kiddush. You start off with Savari Maranam. That's the tune. Borepri Hagafen. So there's that specific tune that is done on Pesach. And if you're not familiar with it, then go on to YouTube or Google and just make sure you familiarize yourself with the Pesach tunes. Yayin Kiddush. Now your next blessing after you say, Mekadesh Yisrael Vehazemanim. The next blessing is going to be the blessing of Ner. The blessing on the candles as we do Every Saturday night, we say a bracha. So we're separating between Shabbos and Yom Tov. So you're going to make the blessing of Bore Maore Aish, a blessing on the candles. And then finally, sorry, then you have one more bracha, which is a blessing of Hamavdil Ben Kodesh Lechol, which we do every single Saturday night. Again, it's about distinction between holy mundane, between the negative and the positive between the good and the bad in our lives. And so we're separating, distinguishing between Shabbos and Yom Tov. It's not good and bad, there's different types of good. And that is the next blessing. And finally we conclude with Zaman, the blessing of Shecheyanu Vekiyemanu Vehigiyanu Lizman Hazer 
And then we're not done yet. After, remember, you filled your cup to the brim with wine or grape juice, whatever you're going to drink. And the Talmud says that when wine overflows in our home, it brings additional blessings. You want that blessing to overflow. And now after you decided the Kiddush, you are going to drink it up. But it's not an ordinary way that you're going to drink it. You're going to recline in your seat toward the left. That's the traditional way to demonstrate that we are a free and noble people. Kings and noblemen used to eat and drink in this fashion. And interesting in the Haggadah that I'm holding here talks about two other reasons. Most people use their right hand to eat. So leaning to the left side is basically the more practical way to lean. And secondly, very practically, our windpipe is located on the left side of our throat. And the food pipe, our esophagus, is on the right side. So leaning to the right would mean that the food first passes down our windpipe. That would not be very, well, you want to make sure that it's going the right way. You don't want having any type of choking, God forbid, at your Pesach Seder. We don't want to have to make any Hatzalah calls during our Seders. So that's your first step. Let's go to step two. That is called Urchatz. Urchatz is the second step. It means to wash. We wash our hands. We are making an action at our Pesach Seder. Hands symbolize action. We want to remove any distraction, so we wash our hands. Just think to yourself in what areas we can improve and clean up our own act. We want to wash our hands, but remember whose hands we're in. Because the washing is sort of like a, a mini kind of mikvah, a cleansing of our hands. And, you know, it's usual that we actually say a bracha when we wash our hands. But this time around, there will be no bracha. There's an opinion that says it's not necessary to wash our hands before eating wet food. Although the halachic law does not follow that opinion, there is a concept called suffolk brachas lahaka, which means when there is a doubt, when there's different opinions, then a bracha is not said. And there is an opinion that says we should wash our hands when we are going to be eating something that's wet. So that is the idea of washing your hands. Of course, also will pique the curiosity of the kids, which is a very important part of our Pesach Seder. Step three is called Karpas. Karpas here is about doing something unusual. On a normal Shabbos or holiday, we'd be eating your meal regularly now. But here we do something bizarre. Something for the sole purpose of picking the curiosity of the kids. So this step, we take the Karpas, which is a vegetable from our Seder plate, the idea of a vegetable is, unlike a fruit, which maybe a Rosh Hashanah we use fruits, but on Pesach we're using a vegetable. Vegetable grows in the ground. Sometimes we also feel like we're down on the ground. And we're going to take this vegetable. We're going to dip it into salt water. The salt water commemorates the tears of our enslaved ancestors. And we're going to recite the blessing and we're going to eat it. And this, of course, why do we dip and eat the karpas? You want to know? Well, it's a great question, right? And the answer is, as my mother would tell me when I was a kid, and sometimes I would ask why a little too often, she would say that you should have something to ask about. Well, we need to keep asking questions. We want the 
ourselves, the child within ourselves, or the children present in our Seder table, to be awake, to be interested, to be alert throughout the Seder, as they are a very important element in the proceedings. So we want them to be able to ask questions. And that's why the sages in, instituted that we have these various steps within the Seder, which don't seem necessary, but it's just to get the curiosity of the children to have them asking questions. And it teaches us that sometimes we have to get creative when it comes to education. When we want to relate to our youth a message, instead of taking a hammer and forcing the kids to sit and listen, if we get a bit creative, we can find more pleasant ways to keep their attention. And the key to learning, in fact, is inquisitiveness. Children need to be taught to ask questions. We could just tell them what Pesach is all about, but we prefer that they ask questions and that we relate the story as an answer to their questions. And in this way, there's, much, there's a much better chance that they're going to be listening. It also teaches them to continue to ask questions and to seek meaning in everything that they see. So we want that the kids should be asking questions. There was a very famous Jewish Nobel Prize winning physicist, Isidore Rabbi, and he once explained that his mother taught him how to be a scientist. She said every other child would come back from school and be asked, what did you learn today? But his mother always asked him, did you ask a good question today? Many Jews, especially in this past year, especially if they don't have kids around, many of our senior citizens that we look after are home alone, they're in isolation, they're in quarantine. So the message is certainly relevant even if you're home alone because, you know, even as adults, we have to keep our curiosity. We have to ask questions. So let's use the karpas to think about the aspects of Judaism that we should really be exploring further. Let's ask those questions. So yes, indeed, we're doing things that are, yes, the salt water, there's tears of slavery. We need to taste that brokenness in order to leave behind that slave mentality. And so you can ask yourself, in what ways do I avoid facing those uncomfortable parts of myself? Let's face those situations and let us continue on to our next step of the Seder, step number four, and this is called Yachatz. What is Yachatz? Well, simply, it means to break. We break the middle matzah into two pieces, one larger and one smaller, obviously. And we wrap and put away the larger piece, which is customarily broken into five pieces to serve as the afikoma. We leave the smaller piece between the two whole matzahs. Just to think in life, this certainly has a symbolism because yes, we're breaking that middle matzah which we call now the, the lechem oni, the poor person's bread, into something even poorer. Matzah is called lechem oni. And now poor people would really have a complete piece of food. So this reminds us about our slavery in Egypt. And the larger piece is the one we're going to be, we're going to put away as afikoman for dessert later, which symbolizes the korban pesach. And while you do this, you're also going to take a moment now to actually 
pour a second cup of wine. Just like the first cup, actually before that, we're going to say something else. We're going to say Heilach Ma'anya, which we will talk about. But just the idea of Yachatz comes to mind. The idea that as long as I feel whole and complete, there's no room to grow. But when we realize that we can't go about life on our own, we need the other. In order for society to heal from COVID-19, everyone needs to be vaccinated. Just some of us to get the vaccine is not enough. And so we need the matzah. We break that matzah. We remind ourselves that, yes, we might be broken, but broken in a positive way, not demoralizing. We can grow from our brokenness. And that, my friends, is the fourth step of your Seder. The next step, step number five, is called Magid. And like I said, we're going to start Magid with Hey Lachma Anya, which again is a very important message. We talk about the bread of affliction that our ancestors ate in Egypt. The matzah is two symbolisms. On the one hand, it reminds us that they left Egypt in a hurry. They zoomed out of Egypt, which certainly zooming out of Egypt is, uh, you know, we also zoom now, right? But it also reminds us about the uh, slavery itself, that in Egypt, there, there was, they ate the matzah, that was the food of poverty. And so we, we look at that and uh, we invite everyone to join in our Seder. I think that's a very important message as well, because... Oftentimes, people who were abused, who were persecuted, who were, who were hurt, they might perpetuate, they might perpetrate, they might continue that affliction unto others. And so when we say these words, we remind ourselves that what we've gone through in life, what we've learned, and we want to pass it on to others in a positive way, not to hurt others. So we were afflicted. We don't want to afflict others. We invite others to our Seder. We're going to tell the story now. Our stories to share, to help another. So this is, in fact, a daily mitzvah. It's not something we only do at the Pesach Seder. So now we're going to fill up our second cup of wine, just like the first one, but we're not drinking it just yet, okay? We're going to tell the story over this cup. Over the cup of wine, we tell the story of Pesach. The Exodus is not simply an event that happened to our ancestors. It's an event that we became. It's who we are. It's the life of each one of us occurring again and again in our wrestling match in the world, with the world. Our struggle with ourselves. We embody freedom in a constant mode of escape. And perhaps that's why Jews have always been the rebels of society. The experience of leaving Egypt left such an indelible mark on our souls that we never stopped doing it. Every single day we re-experience that exodus. We break free from our slave mentalities. And so we tell the story. We want to re-experience it over and over again. And so during the Seder, we're going to ask the four questions, the Manishtana, and it's important that even if you don't have any 
children around, you be the child. You ask the question. Ask God. Ask God why there is so much pain and suffering in the world. It's important that we ask the questions. Ask it to yourself aloud. Ask it to God. Do what it takes. And after the four questions, we're going to begin our retelling the entire story, which begins with this, with the words, Avadim Hayinu. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. In fact, you should say this in whatever language that you understand. There's a beautiful song. Avadim Hayinu Hayinu Pharaoh b'mitzrayim b'mitzrayim Sing the songs, whether yourself or with others, but let's, let's enjoy. Let's make sure that it's an experience that we talk about Avadimayinu. Maybe we were slaves, not just our ancestors, the Pharaoh in Egypt, but us to our own Pharaohs in our own life, to our own challenges and struggles, and that we are going to break free from. And we continue our Seder and ponder, discuss, analyze, engage. Why do we celebrate an ancient freedom that was lost to further persecutions in our history? What would be the point of, we talk about the four sons, you know, there aren't just four sons. We are those four sons. We each possess within ourselves all of these personalities. Sometimes we're clever, sometimes we're otherwise. We have to ask these questions. And you know, Oftentimes people like to pick on the Russia, on the wicked one. But the wicked son, who says he's so wicked? And we have that Russia within ourselves. We also like the challenge just like the Russia does. So he asks the question, Why are you working so hard? Maybe we should explain to him the beauty of Yiddishkeit. The, the beauty of celebrating our Judaism. So take some time and think about the various aspects of our Seder. See how you can make it personal to each of us in our personal lives. The Exodus speaks loud and clear that we have to free ourselves from the obstacles, from the limitations that stand in our way, that prevent us from being who we should, who we know we want to be, from acting as we should. And by retelling the story, by engaging the story, its personal message is perpetual, it's constant, that the personal exodus we should achieve yesterday was, was wonderful, was marvelous. But that's only by yesterday's standards. Because now we have to grow, we have to exceed that, we have to transcend that, we have to go better than that. And that's the point of the Seder. We have to continually progress and that could sometimes be difficult in life. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step backward, whatever way it might be. Think about what is the biggest obstacle to your personal spiritual growth and development. How can you overcome it? What is a piece of advice you could give yourself at this special moment to help power you forward? And that Pesach and that this stage of the state of the Magid shouldn't just be retelling the story of our ancestors, his story, but rather it's my story. Our story. Well, there's a lot to talk about in that story, and we want to go through every aspect of the Seder, and it's almost time for a break here. So let me just say, you could go through the ten plagues, go through the different aspects here. We're going to conclude with the three mitzvahs of Pesach, Matzah, and Marar, and then we're going to drink 
that second cup, just as you did the first cup, after reciting the words, Lefichach, at the end of Magid. And we will be right back after these messages. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul Radio right 101.9. Hi FM, I'm Rabbi Ari Kivman, and we've so far discussed the first five steps of the Seder. And now we're going to move on to step number six. Of course, step five is one of the most important parts of the Seder because that's where we recall the story and sing the songs. But you know, you could do lots of that over dinner, Shulchan Orech. So don't forget that you can elaborate as much as you like, but you could also hurry towards dinner. Yes, it's very praiseworthy to, to, to indulge, to hurry, to, re, to tell the story, or to increase in telling the story of our exodus from Egypt. But also, whoever hurries to supper, to the dinner, which people most enjoy, that is also praiseworthy. And so we are going to move on now to the next step, which is called Rachza. The basic act of Rachza is washing for bread. This time, we're going to say a bracha. In fact, we recite one bracha now for washing. And of course, that's a thought to contemplate. Freedom, freedom is not just a once-off it's a work in progress, a level higher. We, yes, we washed our hands before, but this time we're washing again, and this time we're singing a bracha. It means a new challenge. We have to keep um, pushing the envelope on our personal challenges and struggles. So, so to say, rinse and repeat. And perhaps you could ask yourselves the questions about why we do so, and discuss it with your family. There's a lot to discuss at the Pesach Seder, Make it a meaningful and purposeful experience where you analyze, where you discuss, where you make it something you realize that there is, as long as we live in this world, freedom remains elusive. While moving forward, we are free. We have to stop and we, are, we have to realize that freedom is something you can't just buy. Never can you put freedom in your purse and say, Freedom, freedom is mine forever. Spiritual freedom is like a marriage between our finite selves and the infinite. It gives us the power to transcend our limitations. It's a marriage of heaven and earth, of spirit and matter, of soul and body. And like any marriage, it's kept alive with constant renewal. Our release from slavery was only the first step of our exodus. We were granted eternal freedom the power to continue to perpetually transcend Egypt. That's the order of the Seder. We're breaking free, we're transcending, we're moving forward, we're never stopping. So yes, we do it again, but this time with more meaning, with a bracha. And the very next step is called motzi, making a motzi. In fact, we're going to make two brachas on the matzah. And the basic of it is, say the bracha, but... You're not yet going to eat the matzah. Before I eat, I thank God for the food in front of me. I am mindful of the blessings in my life. And I think it's a question we could oftentimes ask ourselves, what are some things that God has blessed me with that I could be appreciative and count those blessings? And the very next step is called the matzah. Yes, motzi, we are first making 
the bracha on the blessings in our lives. And only then will we move on to actually enjoying the blessings. We, we have this affinity with the food we eat. We, we're a miracle out of the earth. So we share a common journey with the bread. The bread begins as a seed buried beneath the ground. And then a miracle occurs as the seed decomposes, it loses its original form, it, it comes alive, it be, begins to sprout and grow. And so, in our lives as well, think about Jewish history. We began with slavery in Egypt. Our identity was all but lost. But that furnace of oppression became for us the firing kiln, became the baker's oven the womb from where we were born as a nation, and we, be, we begin to blossom, to grow. This is the season. We realize that's what happens, and we want that we should learn from our adversary, from our affliction, and we grow from it. And so that's the matzah. You make your brach on the matzah, and eat away. Matzah is called bread of faith because it is Flat. It's because our ancestors left Egypt in a hurry with just faith in God. And because, unlike bread that doesn't rise, when we eat matzah at our Seder, it reminds us to reduce that egocentricity. And eat that matzah and just think how we could be a little bit more humble. How we could apply a little bit more humility and realize how selflessness indeed could be so, so liberating indeed. And so if you think about most of human activity is done through our hands, this is an act of action. We are reminded of our obligation that before we eat the matzah, we wash our hands and we're going to do this mitzvah of eating the matzah. Where are we holding? The very next act is called marar. What is marar? Very simply, we're going to take some lettuce, or horseradish. We're going to dip it into the charosas, not too much, and we're going to make a bracha. And that's it. Eat. Eat the mara. We're not going to recline, okay, because this is not an act of liberation. This is remembering the harsh, bitter reality of slavery. And so celebrating our Jewishness provides meaning to the sacrifices of those who got us here. We have to recall that bitterness. We have to think, why do we want to remember that? Because only when we could experience a little bit of that bitterness can we truly grow from this stage. So it's important that we, that we take the opportunity. Indeed, I never get, was in Egypt. Right? But I want to feel the bitterness that my ancestors experienced enduring hardship of slavery. And only then can I truly liberate myself as well. And the next step is called Korech. Here is where we make a nice little sandwich. The sandwich of Hillel. Hillel's sandwich. It's not any other sandwiches out there. But Hillel's sandwich, very famous sandwich in which there's marar back in the old days that included lamb chops and matzah. 